Hello everyone, you are listening to Black Adoptees Identities. I am your host, Christelle Pellicure, and I am a coach and a multidisciplinary creative. Please join me to explore what identity means for adult adoptees and how they form their identity for their own adoption journey. In this podcast, you will hear a variety of views from adult adoptees about their own experience of adoption and how adoption has impacted them and what lessons they have learned along the way. Please note that the guests have been courageous in sharing their stories and some of the content and subject matters can be emotionally challenging and distressing for some individuals. Please use your own judgment whether to continue to listen or not and do look after yourself. And if you are affected by some of the issues discussed, please seek appropriate support and help. In this episode, I am in conversation with Gracie Arkema, a transracial adoptee based in Michigan and adopted from the Democratic Republic of the Congo. We discussed her life in Congo before being adopted, her reunion with her birth mother, and how she has navigated her identity. We also talk about her book called Rising. Welcome to Black Adoptees Identities. I'm Crystal Paikua, your host, and today I'm really excited and honored to receive Gracie Arkema with us on the podcast. Gracie Arkema is an international diversity, equity, and inclusion speaker and bestseller author of her memoir, Rising from a Mud Hut to the Boardroom and Back Again. She has experience speaking for Fortune 500 corporations, small businesses, and non-profit organizations. French Grand Rapids Business has named her a 40 and a 40 business leader, one of the 50 most influential women and one of the 200 most powerful business leaders of West Michigan. A graduate in communications from Grand Valley State University, Grazi volunteers her time on boards and committees focused on the health and wellness of marginalized and vulnerable population. We will hear more from Grazi herself shortly, but you can also visit our website at graziarkema.com. Uh, Grazi, welcome. Thank you, Christelle. I'm so excited to be here with you today. Uh, thank you for your time. So I've just... Um, introduced to you and read your bio and I'm very uh, impressed with all the accolades and the success you've had in your life but can you take us a little bit back from the beginning so where were you adopted from and to where so give us a bit more of a background of your story. Yeah for sure I was adopted in the Democratic Republic of the Congo on the border of Congo and Rwanda at a time where there was a lot of civil unrest My biological mother was very poor and very young. I was born in a mud hut and didn't have uh, much opportunity or much chance to survive. I was very sick. My biological mother was very sick as well. And uh, both her and I had a very slim chance of survival. After I was born, I was born prematurely and was just given one to two days to live 
and my biological mother wasn't in a place where she was able to take care of me. So she brought me to a nearby orphanage and uh, I arrived to the orphanage when I was one week old, only weighing three pounds. And coincidentally, two hours after I arrived to the orphanage, an American family from uh, Michigan in the United States happened to see me. They were doing nonprofit missionary work at the time. And when they saw me, uh, they felt called to adopt me. And what would you say were the main point of getting that to success? Uh, because sometimes as an adoptee, we get so defined by our mm-hmm. story and we get stuck in that story. How did you move past your story and get to the point where you're so successful today? Yeah, great point. Um, great points too, as, as how, how we feel as adoptees feeling stuck by our story. So I moved when I was nearly four years old, we moved to a homogenous area in Michigan in the United States. And because I didn't look like anybody else in my life, my family was white. My family is white. Uh, all my school friends, folks we went to church with, everyone in my whole life was white and me being black. And from Africa, I felt so different from everyone else. So I actually, was ashamed of my story. I didn't talk about my story at all. And many of my friends, unless they came over and and saw my family, they didn't know my story or they didn't know that I was adopted. And in living that way of feeling that shame, I found myself assimilating to the expectations of others and trying to become the person that others wanted me to be or, or how they projected me to be. And I realized that that was even more exhausting and defeating and isolating than just being myself. So I didn't come to embrace my story until I was an adult. Uh, My whole life, I thought my biological mother was dead. Um, When we moved to the Congo, we were told that, or sorry, when we moved to the United States, we were told that she more than likely did not survive uh, because the civil unrest that was occurring in the area that I'm from turned into the Rwandan genocide where over the course of three months, a million men, women, and children were killed. And so we had presumed that she had died. At the age of 30, um, just eight years ago, I discovered that my biological mother was not only alive, but that she and I were asking about one another at the very same time. And it was at that point then that I began to embrace my story, to talk about it. And it then was very revolutionary for me where to understand that she had survived and what, you know, and the unimaginable made me then so proud, so, so proud to be her daughter, so proud to be adopted, and also so proud to have the opportunity of a life that I wouldn't have had had I survived in the Congo. Have you gone back to Congo to meet your mother? I have, yes. So... Um, eight years ago, shortly after I discovered that she was alive, I told my adoptive mom and dad that I wanted to meet my biological mother, that I wanted us to all go together, that I wanted to say thank you to my biological mother because her giving me up gave me life. And also that I wanted my my biological mother to see the love and the opportunity that I have been given from my adoptive parents. So we flew, uh, we, we flew to the Congo to meet her. Um, She was living in a mud hut at the time. So therefore she didn't have access to uh, access to internet or phone. So I wasn't able to say, hi, I heard you're alive. I'm coming to meet you. Uh, We just showed up, which that was terrifying. 
not knowing um, what the response would be if she wanted to meet me or not. Um, but we met and the moment that she met, there were so many people in my, my village that wanted to watch this reunion as if it were a reality TV show. And there were so many people there, but nobody had to say, Gracie, this is your biological mother, Mari Johnny. And nobody had to say, Mari Johnny, this is your daughter. The moment that we saw each other, we knew each other and we just held each other and smiled and embraced. And it was perfect. It literally was like a scream from a movie that, that when I saw her, I saw me in her, which, you know, being an adoptee, not having anyone in your life look like you was so powerful, not only to see somebody that looks like me, but also to see my own mannerisms uh, reflected in somebody. And we speak different languages, but we still have the same voice inflections. And that was really wild and incredible to be able to experience as well. Wow, that's so amazing. Such a beautiful story. And how did you uh, manage to find that? Because you said that she didn't have any internet and uh, so how did you um, yeah, find that? Because you, you also thought she was not alive anymore. Yeah, so for a living, I'm a public speaker and I speak on all things related to diversity, equity and inclusion. And during this time, I was doing a, a presentation um, that was focused on inclusion and belonging and opportunity to elementary students, or sorry, middle school students. And in prepping for the presentation, my parents had contact with missionaries who they used to work with in the Congo. And so I would reached out to a daughter of one of the missionaries who used to live there and asked her if she knew anything about my biological mother. And um, in that conversation, then I was able to, I discovered um, by her asking other people, I found out then that my biological mother was alive. But yeah, it's, it's, it was crazy and, and kind of a long story, but uh, I wrote a book and I write the details of, of how it happened in my book. My book is called Rising from a Mud Hut to the Boardroom and Back Again. But when once we arrived to the Congo, we were there for four days essentially before word of mouth was able to spread, you know, kind of like the classic game of telephone, you tell one person who tells another person who tells another person. And eventually the news then got to her and we were able to then pick a meeting place of, of where we were going to be. And she came. And how is your relationship now? Are you still in contact regularly or has she been to America to visit you? Um, my relationship with her is amazing. Um, she has not been to America. That would be, it would be too much of a culture shock for her. She does not speak English and she isn't familiar with, you know, electricity. There isn't electricity in her village where she lives. Um, so Westernized civilization would be um, very shocking to her. But my adoptive parents are incredible and we're, we're very close. A year after we met with my biological mother, my adoptive mom and dad went back to the Congo and they spent some time with her and also my biological brothers and um, decided to run a faith-based nonprofit there. So my biological, sorry, my adoptive parents live 
near my biological mother in the Congo half of the year. So um, through my mom and dad, I'm able to then FaceTime with my biological mother. She comes over to my parents' house in the Congo periodically and we can FaceTime together. Also now, um, I, uh, along with the help of my mom and dad, we financially support her and my biological brothers, uh, which now we, we will support them for the rest of their lives. And um, this past Christmas, as my parents were in the Congo, I then went back to the Congo and surprised her. And it was absolutely amazing. Um, she was very shocked because we hadn't seen each other in real life in uh, seven years at that point. And um, I hired a, a local film crew. We recorded the surprise and the audio of that surprise is in the audio book uh, is an audiobook exclusive bonus chapter. Um, so it was, it's amazing now that I'm able to have her in my life um, as a, a major part of my life. Yeah, that's so beautiful. I really love it. <laughs> How, in terms of identity, because you, you now have a lot of information about uh, your, your life in Congo. Uh, but you spend most of your time in America. So how do you reconcile both sides of your heritage and your upbringing? So how does that affect your identity? Yeah, you know, it, there were some there were some times where it was really challenging, especially after I went back to the Congo um, for the first time. You know, there were so many things I was so selfish about as an American that I didn't even think about. You know, I'd be so distraught over my favorite college football team losing a game without realizing, you know, that there are people in my village that are just trying to stay alive um, when and not die from starvation. So being back there certainly put some things into perspective for me about what's important and, and the value of life. I think as Americans, we put so much emphasis on material things that don't really matter, but reflecting on my African heritage and, and understanding and seeing where I came from, it really has made me value relationships more with people. It's made me value quality time in life, you know, time that we can't get back and um, understanding that we, we can't really take anything for granted. And the only thing that's guaranteed is just this moment. And so it's definitely given me a different perspective of life than I think I would have had if I were born in the U.S. or if I hadn't had the opportunity to go back to the Congo. And in terms of your identity, how do you identify yourself as an African-American woman or as an African woman? How do you see yourself today? Yeah, I identify as an African woman um, and I also identify as Black. Um, I don't think it's fair for me to say that I identify as African-American because um, I don't feel the same uh, lived experiences that many African-Americans or generational experiences that African-Americans here in the U.S. have had. Um, but I certainly um, strongly identify as African. And when I have been back to the Congo, I feel like that's home. I feel that that is the place where I have come from. I was going to ask, where do you feel you belong? And yeah, that's that's beautiful that you, you still feel that you're part of Congo. That's beautiful. Yes, definitely. Despite all the years. <laughs> mm -hmm.
Um, so tell us a, a bit more about your book. So you, you mentioned uh, it's your story of uh, meeting your mother and um, your adoption. Tell us a little bit more about it yeah, and where can yeah. people find it. Thank you. The book is called Rising, and the subtitle is From a Mud Hut to the Boardroom and Back Again. So it is about my whole life journey from birth to present day. Uh, the book just was released this year. It was released this past April, and it's available all over the world, uh, wherever you buy books. So on all major platforms, it's available, you know, on Amazon. I also narrated the audiobook, and um, that is out on all major audiobook platforms. So Audible, Apple Books, audiobooks.com. Uh, and also my book is available in big box stores as well. So Barnes and Noble um, and many big box stores, bookstores throughout the world. So um, the, the title Rising speaks to my journey of rising through the adversities that life has thrown at me. Um, in many stages from my adoption experience to also identity and belonging and authenticity, being able to find myself and embrace myself for all of who I am. Um, one caveat that I experienced growing up, not only was it challenging not looking like everyone else in my life, and you know, whereas people in my life especially with the school district that I went to. Many people didn't even have an understanding of Africa, let alone the Congo. And so it was always hard to explain. So I, I never explained it, I never talked about it. And on top of that, I identify as queer in the LGBTQ community. And so then I felt even more different of not knowing other people with LGBTQ plus identities in my life. So I hid that aspect of myself as well and pretended to be straight, pretended to have fake boyfriends for several years until I was almost 30 years old. And, and that was really exhausting. I felt so isolated between my racial identity, my adoption experience, and with my sexual orientation. I felt like no one else was like me and that I was the only one of my kind in the world. But I talk about that journey in my book and I talk about the journey um, that's relatable to others that you don't have to be queer or born in a mud hut to have this experience of um, rising through adversity. But it's important that we learn and understand that all of us are on a journey that most others of us know nothing about. And so the book also serves as kind of like a roadmap and part business and part self-help of learning how to embrace ourselves and embrace our identities and then also learning how to be a voice and an ally for others and to um, be supportive for others in their journeys, even when their journeys are much different from our own. What advice would you say to someone to, to embrace their identity and their journey? Because you've, you've overcome that adversity. What would you say uh, to someone who might be going through similar um, situation, especially yeah, an adoptee? I would say um, to embrace your identity as your strength. Your identity is your superpower. It is not your shame. And there are so many things in your life that you've experienced that make you more powerful because of the identities that you have. And it's so often that you know, for myself, I saw my identity as my crutch instead of my power. And when we can understand that the identity that we have gives us this unique experience and perception and backgrounds that other people don't have um, that makes us even more valuable in the world. 
I mean, I'm curious because you've done so much already in your life and you're still yeah. very young. Where, where are you going next? What is, what is the future for Gwesi? Thank you. We'll see. I don't know. You know, it's, it's so weird. Like, I was so focused on getting this book out there into the world for so long. I had worked on the project for seven years. And now the book is out. I'm like, okay, now what? Um, so I'm mainly, I'm focusing on, I run my own business. I've been running my own business for the last four years as a public speaker. And I speak for organizations and corporations all over the world and all things related to diversity and inclusion and leadership. And so next I will continue focusing on that. Um, I have started uh, some projects, some writing projects where um, currently I'm writing for a major global publication. Um, follow me on my social channels to see what that is. I can't talk about it yet. Uh, but hopefully in the upcoming weeks, I'll be able to announce that. But And then we'll see. I, I've been asked if I'm going to write another book or not. I'm not sure. We'll see. We'll see where life takes me. But next is I just want to continue to make an impact in this world and to help folks be able to live more authentically and embrace who they are. Exciting. Well, looking forward to see what is what coming up. It's on with I appreciate exciting. it. Thank you. Thank you. I normally ask all my guests uh, one final question, which is the same, but you've kind of answered it already. If you were to give an advice to your younger self or to a young adoptee out there, what that would be? Ooh, and advice for my younger self would be, you are perfect the way you are. Don't change yourself for anybody else. Beautiful. But thank you. I, I love having you and having this conversation. Thank you so much for your time. And yeah, well, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, for those who want to stay in touch with me, please um, connect with me on my social channels. On Instagram, it's at the Gracie Harkama. Gracie is spelled G-R-A-C-I. Harkama is H-A-R-K-E-M-A. Um, also, check out my website, gracieharkama.com. You can see videos, uh, YouTube videos of previous speaking engagements I've done. You can check out my work. Um, but also, if you're a fellow adoptee too, who, if you relate to this, connect with me, shoot me a DM. Um, I, I love meeting other adoptees and talking about our, our shared experiences. So please reach out. Or if you are not an adoptee but have questions, also reach out in that regard as well. Amazing. I mean, your portfolio is so large, so there's, it's concerned everybody. And uh, especially, I mean, our organization out there, we need uh, a speaker. Do reach out um, to Gracie because she's amazing and she would deliver a beautiful talk for you. <laughs> so do Thank reach you. out. <laughs> and Thank everybody, you. get Gracie's book it's worth a read so please get your copy as well yeah thank you rising from a mud hut to the boardroom it's available everywhere you buy books throughout the world available in hardcover ebook and audiobook and uh, Gwasi's website is in the show notes so you can also check it out on there thank you so much it's been a real pleasure having you and thank you, keep in touch. Great to meet you as well. and keep me updated on your um what the next project is <laughs> i will thank you <laughs> thank you so much bye everyone this is christelle pellecure and you have been listening to 
Black adoptees' identities, where Black adult adoptees share their stories. Please do share and subscribe to our podcast and do stay connected with us by following us on Instagram at Black Adoptees Identities. Thank you for listening to this week's episode and until next time, goodbye.